y'all today? <laughs> Good, Logan. I'm so glad. I'm not quite sure why they have the tape up here. I guess if I say something you don't like, they just kind of come and tape it over my mouth. <laughs> Good morning, everybody, to Facebook, too. Um, first of all, I really do want to do a sincere thank you to everyone who came out yesterday. It was really fun to do the pumpkin patch and unload all of those pumpkins, but thank you so much to everyone who came out. Um, so, um, for anybody who doesn't know, my name is Ashley Garib, and I'm the adult spiritual leader here at the church, and I'm very excited to be here this morning um, to be sharing with you, as David is on a well-deserved little break this weekend, so I'm here, and I'm very glad to be actually up here. I haven't been able to give a message in a while. A lot of that is due to the fact that in the last year, I've had two back surgeries, so I'm standing here, which... God is very, yes, God is very good to um, have me actually doing that. I might be walking very slow, and sometimes I don't stand up straight, but I'm here, so <laughs> that is good. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, today, we are going to be kicking off a six-week sermon series on Ephesians, um, which will cover many wonderful topics. It's uh, why we praise God prayer, God's grace, a new multi-ethnic family, being one body and building up the church, old versus new self, the armor of God, and a Christian household. Today, I'm going to be talking about praising our Father from whom all blessings flow. And it is critical to do this as a body of believers together. And Hopefully everybody knows this, but our mission here at Rockbridge is to create more disciples of Christ, and through praising him, we share our mission with others and leading more people to believe. A question I want to ask everybody is, how do you praise God? And have you actually ever really thought about that on a personal level of how you praise God? This has changed for me a lot over the years, from just a Sunday morning going to church, spending my hour there, or maybe two hours, um, to an on, you know, a daily interaction of prayer and doing my devotions, to then more of an ongoing throughout the day discussion with Christ, kind of praying, to sometimes just really crying out for help <laughs> throughout the day, saying, oh my gosh, Lord, help me get through these moments. So that's how mine has kind of changed in praise and pouring out. But then also as I've matured in my relationship with Christ, um, I've seen that it's an outpouring to others in how I praise God. And it can be anywhere from sometimes I've actually interacted in praying with others, spont you know, spontaneously praying, sometimes with strangers in a setting, to um, caring for others when they need a warm meal. Um, sitting and listening to people when they need to share and just being there for that person, encouraging others when they're hurting. In all of these ways, I'm praising my Father who gives me the ability to serve Him and live out His will. So when we start digging into Ephesians, let's look at the setting of what's going on here. Paul wrote this while he was in prison, and his audience were believers in the church at, at Ephesus, 
and probably other Christians in Western Asia Minor, which is today's Turkey. This was a very important city in Western Asia Minor at the time because it opened up into the, please forgive me if I mispronounce these words, Kester River, which emptied into the Aegean Sea. So it was a very um, busy intersection of major trade routes. And it boasted, right in the middle of this area, a huge pagan temple dedicated to the Roman goddess Diana. So to me, I can picture it being kind of like maybe the city of San Francisco, something like very, very busy, the hustle and bustle. You've got um, lots of people in and out, docks with big ships, um, chaotic, very noisy, and then right in the middle of it, a huge pagan god and lots of people bowing down and praying to it continuously. Just So lots of busyness going on. And so what does Paul decide to do? But set up this as his base for him and his associates for the next two years, the operations of his entire evangelistic work um, throughout all of Asia Minor. So I was thinking when I was studying this, I was like, oh, of course, why not? Let's just do that. (laughs) So right in the hub of where everything is going on. Paul's purpose of writing Ephesians was to expand the horizons of his readers so that they might understand better the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and grace to come to appreciate the high goals of God's has for the church. So it wasn't just to spread the gospel, but for us to really truly understand his purpose for the actual church. Paul emphasizes that we have been saved, but it's not only for our own personal benefit, but it's also to bring praise and glory to God. And it is crucially important for us as Christians to understand this. So let's dig in, if you have your Bibles, to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to his sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in the conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel, of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised 
Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now that's a lot, so let's unpack it a little bit. (laughs) You're like, okay. (laughs) Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. God's plan to redeem humanity pre-exists the foundation of the world. Those who come to believe in Christ find themselves participating in God's eternal plan. So as believers, we are participating in God's eternal plan of what's going on here right now on earth. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sons and daughtership through Jesus Christ. Although, and this is important to understand, although because our Father is a loving Father, He allows us free will. So as this amazing gift of grace and forgiveness is offered to all, as written by Paul, you must choose to accept it. Through Christ's blood, as stated in Ephesians 1.7, God's free gift to all believers becomes a reality. I can share many, probably too many, but many examples where I chose free will in my life and stubbornness over allowing thoughtful prayer and believing in God, just taking the reins where it would have been much more smooth and less rocky if I had just allowed God to take over. In one area of that, because I don't want to bore you with all those examples, although they'd be fun, I'm sure, for you. Um, (laughs) But one area in my life is personal finances. And I'm sure some of you are thinking, oh, great, she's taught financial peace here at the church. She's led that class. Um, Don't worry, somebody else is doing it now. No. Um, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But with personal finances in my life, it's one area that, honestly, when I am diligent and I pray about my finances and I tithe consistently and I listen to God when I'm making decisions, things go really, really well. But unfortunately, I'm stubborn, and I like that free will that he allows us to have, unfortunately. And so I do struggle at times because I think that, oh, instead of tithing, I'm going to use that money in this area because that makes more sense, right? No. And I think, oh, we want these things, my children and I, we want these things, so it's more important to have that instead of the things that we just need. And it's a consistent struggle when I decide to take control of my finances. So, I've learned the hard way many, many times. But if I'm just good, and I allow God to take control of things, it's so much better. The other area that I really feel, if you're a parent in here, you're going to agree with me. And I think, honestly, this is how God looks at us as his children. Right now, I have a teenager and a 12-year-old who acts like he's already a teenager. And I can guide them. I pray for them. 
I bring them to church, and I talk to them. But as they grow into their own adult beings, I cannot make choices for them. I can only give them tools, but they have their own minds and their own opinions and their own choices. They have free will. And just as I praise God every day for loving me and giving me forgiveness and grace, I will do the same for my children and love them as my Father loves me. Christ continues to be the source of deliverance from sin for believers. And verse 8 specifies the expression of God's graciousness as wisdom and insight bestowed on believers. Instead of lies, speak truth. Instead of anger, bring peace. Instead of stealing, be generous. Instead of gossip, encourage others. Instead of revenge, seek forgiveness. Instead of promiscuity, practice self-control. Instead of drunkenness, search God's spirit. When we reflect upon God's adopting us into his family, and what amazing gift this is, it makes me feel so beloved. I praise the one in which all blessings flow. I also realize that this is a huge responsibility. We can sit here in this nice air-conditioning building, reading about the biblical characters, such as Paul, from thousands of years ago, and think, wow, I am so glad that he did this so long ago, and he started spreading the gospel for us. Or, like me, does it stir something in you? And do you think, wow, thank you, Lord, so much for all that you have given me and all of that you have blessed me with, and you saved me. Why do I stay quiet? Why do I not share this wonderful gift that you have given me with every single person that I know? There are people today who are suffering and giving up their lives to spread the gospel, just as the biblical characters who suffered, some were killed, they were imprisoned because of what they did to spread the gospel. We know that this is still happening. The question is, what part are we playing? How are you responding to the greatest gift that you were ever received? The God who is inside us, closer than we are to ourselves, is also outside, quite beyond our comprehension. We cannot reach God without God having come toward us. Ephesians indicates that the purpose of our election is to praise God's glory. We cannot engage in that praise without the ability to perceive God's redeeming power at work. If you feel that God's gift of salvation is worth praising, how do you praise him? What are you doing beyond 
the one hour of worship on Sunday mornings. And please know that I'm saying this exact same thing to myself. I was very conflicted, or yeah, conflicted, or convicted when I, when I was studying this and when I was reading this and writing this because it made me realize, what do I do? Do I do enough? What can we do as a church to live out what Paul teaches in Ephesians on praising our Father? Can we pray more? Can we support each other more as a family of believers? Can we lift each other up? Can we listen more? Invite a neighbor to worship? Show more gratitude. Speak more love through action. I know I've told many of you, but Philip Yancey is one of my favorite writers. And then I just want to read a little blurb out of here um, about making God visible. In 2004, there was a remarkable woman named Joanna who was doing missionary work in a prison where Nelson Mandela had spent several years and the, um, Joanna's results were so impressive that the BBC sent a camera crew from London to produce a two one-hour documentary on her. And the person who went in to interview her was asking her several questions about why it was so impactful, her work in this prison. And he was asking her over and over again, and she was eating while he was doing that. And her fork stopped on the way to her mouth, and she looked up and said, almost without thinking, well, of course, Philip, God was already present in the prison. I just had to make him visible. I have often thought of that line from Joanna, which would make a fine mission statement for all of us seeking to know and follow God. God is already, already present in the most unexpected places. We just need to make God visible. We must praise God from all blessings, from whom all blessings flow at all times as one body of Christ together. So what are you going to do and what am I going to do to make God visible? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. I'd like to invite Trevor up now. He's from Good News and he's going to do communion for us. First of all,